in if we could have the kiddos nine and under. If you guys want to head downstairs, Miss Ashley's got you today. Say hey, Ash. <laughs> I get to call her Ash. That's well, um, I kind of we had a we had a really beautiful interruption during worship today. I had to. Nate and Christina are here with their new baby boy, Bo. You guys, do you mind uh, doing a little show and tell? Can can you come up here with your baby? I mean, it's, you guys are so selfish with that thing. If you don't mind, is he sleeping? I hope he's not sleeping. He's going to wake up. Can somebody take a picture of that? You guys, what's that? <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, you guys take another one with that. Sorry, we got to do this. That is awesome. Congrats, man. That is fantastic. I. I, I love it. I, babies are fun. I, I'm going to rent that baby. <laughs> our, our Emily keeps wanting us to have another one, and we're like, you know, we'll just, we'll just, I just, the best part of a baby is the smell of their head. Isn't it just, uh, just, just, mmm. Anyway, that's fantastic, you guys. So are you, sleep, are you sleeping at all? I heard you had a rough night last night. So, but um, you're allowed to nap today. We have a rocking chair back there and everything, so we're glad you're here. Um, if you could turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 6. We're talking about light. Obviously, this is the Advent season. And how many of you know we've got some, some dark going on in the world today? And, uh, you know, here's the thing I love about light, I love about the gospel, is that the gospel knows no boundaries. Man can try to impose boundaries on the gospel, man can try to package it, man can try to uh, make it meldable for them, but God, God is no respecter of persons, and uh, when he sent that great commission out um, to the world, and uh, all, all over the world, all over the globe, people are getting hope. I, I love what's going on in these other countries like North Korea, where they don't like the gospel too much. And, you know, I found they do a new thing now. What they do is they do, like, uh, balloon drops, they call them. And they'll put hot air balloons and whatever, and they just drop these balloons in North Korea. They don't know how they get there, but they're getting to the right people. They're getting to the right situation. So the light goes everywhere, and it's a beautiful thing. But Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 6, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You You enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. You will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their sh- uh, shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
What a beautiful thing. Jesus, when he came on the scene, by the way, John 8, 12 says this. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Really, really neat thing. Um, I, uh, I, I think it's beautiful what's happening in people's lives. Where did this light show up? It showed up to the people who walked in darkness. And they've seen a great light for those who lived in a land of deep shadows, lights, and sunbursts of lights. In fact, we have to just stop for a minute. I, I uh, was, um, the Lord had given me kind of a word and been dealing with this um, uh, for the past couple weeks, and I was wondering timing of it. And uh, I just have to share this word with someone here in the group this morning, and that's uh, Mr. Kevin Goodrich. Um, hi there, how are you this morning? <laughs> I have a prophetic word for you this morning, and um, I just want to tell you something that's been burning in my heart. Where is my brother at? Is he here to leave? Did, did he, can, can somebody get him up here? He left. Okay, so I was talking to my brother, and um, I said, you know, Kevin's been really on my mind, and uh, um, something's been stirring there, and God, God is really speaking to me for you that uh, God's made you a prophet. And uh, it, uh, just the prophetic word and the word that God is speaking to you, I believe something's burning in your heart. And that as God starts to speak into your life, you're going to say some things to people that will do two things. It will offend them, but it will also stir them. And it will also bring a lot of comfort to a lot of people. But God has put your, his prophetic unction on your life. And you will be given words to people, and you will speak some things. And at first, you're going to be a little, what's going on? But God is really opening up the windows of heaven over your life right now, in Jesus' name. Let's pray for that right now. Lord, I just thank you, Father, for Kevin and for what you're speaking into his life. And Father, this isn't just for Kevin today. This is to edify the body of Christ. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're interrupting his life right now. And things will not be the same. And things will not be normal. And God, as you start to burn those things in him, Father, as he starts to give words of wisdom, and God, that, you, that he speaks very profound, and he doesn't mince his words, and he means what he says, and he's a man of his word, and God, you're going to honor that character trait in him, and you're going to entrust him with words for people. And I thank you, God, for the promises that you say that my word will not return void what it was set out to do, that it will accomplish what it was supposed to do. And God, you're going to accomplish those things. And I thank you for that and for your spirit in and over top of Kevin Goodrich right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I had to get that out. Sorry. You know, you always look for timing, Kevin. I'm sorry. I just didn't. No time to know. Mary Dora Russell writes this. When God speaks, are we going to, or I'm sorry, lights and sunbursts. Most of the time our God consciousness is prompted when we are in some religious kind of setting. We expect to sense the presence of God when we're in a church sanctuary and we aren't disappointed. But God doesn't restrict his presence to the places that are obviously religious. In fact, he is often more active in the places where we might not expect to find him. As followers of Christ, we need to be looking for the surprising places where God can be found so we can join him in the amazing things he is accomplishing. 
I think it's amazing what Jesus did when he came to earth and he came in a manger. He came in the most obscure place. He came in the most obscure boundaries. He came to a little town called Nazareth. In fact, the prophet, that one guy sitting there, he said, can anything good come out of? And you know what? It was an obscure village in an obscure place. And do you know where God speaks to us and when he starts to do these things and these great lights showing up? Jesus shows up and here's a beautiful place and we have great religious experiences. And it's more than just religious, but what I'm talking about the context of church. But Jesus shows up in our homes quite a bit, doesn't he? He shows up in the bars, doesn't he, quite a bit. He shows up in most unsuspecting places with the most unsuspecting people to do great things. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. I want you to think of Saul. Say, man, what, what does that have to do with Well, he saw a great light, didn't he? Saw a fantastic light. Saul, who was going on a mission, a road rage, if you want to call it, of destroying Christianity and destroying believers, was going down the road to Damascus and finds himself caught up with the light of God. A great light shines around him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul was blinded by the light. And it was later that that light gave him the life from within. Our light comes to unlikely candidates. I want to challenge us at Turning Point Church to look at unlikely candidates around us. Turn to someone and say, you're an unlikely candidate. <laughs> We're all unlikely candidates, aren't we? Here's what a spirit of religion does, though. A spirit of religion says, well, I'm the likely candidate and you're not the likely candidate. Because we always measure ourselves based on everyone else, and we kind of do the give and take thing. And the spirit of religion comes in, and we try to pick who the candidates will be. And maybe even if we decide to take ourselves out of it, we say, well, these are the people, these are the right folks that are the God-appointed people that God wants to use and God wants to speak. God speaks through donkeys. It's amazing what he does. Anne wrote down a beautiful verse of promise to me years ago, a light coming to unlikely candidates. Isaiah 42, 16, I will lead the blind by ways they have not yet known. Along unfamiliar paths I will guide them. I will turn their darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Isn't it great that God says, I will lead the blind people by places they didn't know? Here's what ends up happening is we start to get kind of accustomed to our surroundings and we're kind of, we're not necessarily blind, but the Bible says that we can become spiritually blind and that we're not aware of what God is doing beyond our present circumstances. How many of you have been blinded by your own circumstances before? We're blinded. We're blinded to God doing anything. We're blinded. And that light comes to unlikely people and unlikely situations. You know, when we give gifts to people, when that grace of God comes, it comes not because we deserved it, but because God loves us, and that's what this light is all about. I think it's amazing what the love was shown even this last week with these unlikely candidates. I don't know their past, I don't know their present, I don't know their future, but I do know this, that God brought these individual families to Turning Point Church as unlikely candidates that we will bless in the name of Jesus and we will blow their socks off in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know what we need to do as far as our own blindness and understanding that God wants to lead us in paths that are completely unfamiliar to us. Unfamiliar territory. 
is trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on all your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. And He'll make your path straight. It's a beautiful thing. A life comes to unlikely candidates. He'll take over. What does Christ's rule look like? You know, Jesus is not sitting on a physical throne in any nation. You know that right now. You know what's interesting? I was going on my CBN News app this last week, and do you know Poland? It was amazing. I should read the prayer. I should pull it up real quick. Poland declared Jesus the king of their country. Do you know that? It's true. Imagine the lawyer uproar here. And they had the, the president, they had all these people come forward and they said, Lord, we, this is your country, we're your people, we are going to submit to your rule, help us to obey your laws. By the way, can you imagine if America got back to obeying the laws of the Bible? Wouldn't that be so horrible for this nation? Putting those Ten Commandments back up front and center in the judicial systems. Can you imagine the rule of King Jesus as we submitted? You know, it's a great thing. Oh, it's a beautiful thing when we get back into the rule of Christ and when Christ rules our heart. But you know, Jesus isn't looking right now to take over any kind of dethroning governments or anything. Do you know how he takes over rule? Jesus takes over rule within our hearts, doesn't he? There will come a time where his throne, he'll set up a millennial reign and who will be King Jesus on, on planet Earth. Get ready for it, by the way. What does his rule look like? Bruce Bickle writes this. So why isn't Jesus literally ruling over the universe for all to see now? The answer is that King Jesus rules over us by ruling within us. The, um, those who are part of the spiritual body, the church, are co-heirs of all the spiritual riches of God. We relate to Christ the King organically, not as subjects who bow to a monarch, but as a branch connected and dependent upon the vine, deriving our spiritual life and nourishment from our Savior. Isn't that great? We rule organically that He rules within us. That we are the, He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Great thing. We're connected with Him. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, I call you brothers. You, you, we are part of a family. We are connected with Christ. We are co-heirs, co-laborers. Jesus said, I'm the light. And guess what? We're the light to the world now. We are Jesus to other people. We're Jesus to the eight families that came in and saw a light, maybe a brief light. And, and when we move and when we get into these moments, God will lead and guide us to be lights to the world. Bible calls us a city on a hill. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's our response to this dark world? Christians, I believe it's so imperative in this time of situations, wars, terrorism, all that we've got going on, that we carefully mark what our response to the world will be. We can either go stick our head in the sand, pray for the rapture. We can get mad at people and point a finger. We can get mad at leaders and mad at situations. So funny in the art of politics, this lady was going through doing, doing surveys and stuff. She was uh, running for an alderman. And I go, she was around getting signatures in my neighborhood yesterday. I'm like, man, you guys don't take a day off, do you? This is Thanksgiving weekend. She was laughing. And I said, you know what, let me pray for you real quick. I didn't, didn't, her party affiliation was independent. I didn't matter. I, I just said, listen, I said, uh, why, don't I, why don't I pray for you real quick that God orders your footsteps. They come to find out they're Pentecostal. They grew up Pentecostal and... 
beautiful family. The daughter came running over there, and we just started praying. And I just said, God, order her footsteps, ordain her footsteps, open doors that no man can shut, and close doors that no man can open. God, you get glory, and you work these things out. You set up people, you set up kings and authority, and you take ones down. What's our response going to be? Once we see the world and ourselves for what we are, we can help. Once we understand ourselves, we begin to operate, Max Lucado writes, not from a posture of anger, but of compassion and concern. We look at the world not with bitter frowns, but with extended hands. We realize that the lights are out and a lot of people are stumbling in the darkness, so we light candles. I love that. You see some lights out in your neighborhood, light some candles. You see some people in need of situations and help, you be a candle lighter in that situation. You don't throw the candle away. You go there and you speak life into situations and light, be a light to people. Charlotte Gamble writes, if as the church we are called to help the world around us, then we have to learn how to do better at our responses, don't we? I wonder if the church has packed enough love and grace and wisdom and peace and prayer today for the places they may end up tomorrow. If the church can't help the world in season and out, who will? When we see injustice, have we already packed a response to bring justice? When the world faces trials, have we pre-packed testimonies that have the power to overcome? You know, you have a testimony. You bring light to situations. Does anyone here have a testimony? Oh, good, two people. Does anybody here have a testimony? We don't realize it, but that brings light to situations. In the past, that got clouded and we are blinded by, man, God, you know, when God reveals truth to you and when you repent of those sins and the situations, isn't it so opening and so freeing to say, man, I am free from that junk. I have freedom in Christ. And it's a beautiful thing. The light shows up in dark and lonely and hopeless places. Why don't you turn real quick to Luke chapter 15. I want to be a bright light, don't you? Christmas time, I want my house to be the most lit house on the street. I look at other people's lights, I'm like, that's not so good. (laughs) No. Anyway. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Why don't we grab that real quick? Why don't we all read that together? You all want to read that real quick out loud? Go ahead. I got different translation. We won't do that. We can't. We can't. Gosh. 15, 1 through 7. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was even associating with such sinful people. Even eating with them sinners. So Jesus told them a story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me. 
Because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So that's the whole package. You say, man, I don't get that prodigal son story. You know, they were celebrating. They were having a party for him. God, he took advantage. Or Daddy took advantage of you. He took all this stuff. My son who was once lost is now found. This is a time of celebration. Isn't that amazing? Jesus didn't mince his words when he said, there is more celebration in heaven over one sinner coming home than over 99 righteous who haven't strayed away. Folks, I think we need to get excited when we see sinners again. Because you know why? That's a potential for a really big celebration in heaven. You might have some, quote, sinners in your life, maybe in your family, and I always think of, of Christmas time and the holidays as a, a really rough spot for people. I think it's a rough spot because we just don't let go, do we? We have delicate situations, I get it and everything, but man, can you imagine if we just enjoyed people and their, and their company and who they are and just forgave people? Can you imagine if we had a, 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 we have a national holiday for every cotton-picking thing on the earth? We should have a national event on the calendar, National Forgive the Person Who Offended You Day. <laughs> Put that on Facebook and social media, we can wear special bands and have keychains, we can do it all. And we can say, National Forgive the Person That Offended You Day. Wouldn't it be awesome? We're going to start that at Turning Point Church. And we can be alive in that situation and let go. And do you know what that forgiveness will start to do? It will start to breed love. It will start to breed compassion. It will start to be understanding. Say, you know what? I was a real dork last week. Will you forgive me for that? I was a real jerk the other day. Will you forgive me for that? I was an idiot the other day. Can you forgive me for that? We don't use those kind of terms ever, do we? Let us get this kind of spirit once again in our church, a place filled with sinners, those in need of a Savior. There's a New Yorker cartoon that has a cartoon of a man sitting down with a woman having dinner and saying to her, look, I can't promise I'll change, but I can promise I'll pretend to change. See, aren't we doing that in the church? I can't promise we'll change, but we'll, we'll, we'll pretend. We'll pretend to change. We'll pretend to have a look. Tulian Shabdin writes about our churches. Instead of a hospital for sufferers, church has become a glorified costume party where lonely men and women tirelessly police each other's facade of holiness. The higher up the pecking order, the less room for weakness. I mean, aren't you done with the costume party? I mean, don't you really want the light to shine? Don't you really want to be the person that doesn't say, I promise to look like I've changed? Don't you want to be the type of person that says, man, I've changed because the light of the gospel, God has shed his light on me and shed his grace on me, that he loved me even in my worst part of my day. Do you know those thoughts that you might think, those actions you might have done, Jesus Christ didn't love you any less in those moments. He loved you. He loved you just the same. And so when God puts you in the company of sinners, when God puts you in the company of people who have been blinded, your job and the expression is to show the love of God. Have dinner with a sinner, if you will. Turn to somebody and say, have dinner with a sinner. You've been hanging out with your church clubs too long. 
Man, Christmas, the one time of year with all of us bumbling Christians. Oh, man, Starbucks didn't put another joy or Christmas thing on my gut. I'm going to pick it outside of Starbucks because they don't celebrate Christmas like us Christians do. Folks, I don't know if you turn your radio on, but they're still playing these holiday songs that talk about Jesus 24-7. You're not being persecuted. I didn't get an amen. amen. Can we get out of the blindness, our own selfish blindness? Can we get out of our own packaging of what we think and what's being stopped? God's not being stopped this Christmas, folks, because they didn't say, Merry Christmas at Target. Can I get an amen? amen. My goodness. We're a candle. We're a light. I say this because I love entrepreneur stuff. I love business. If you've got a problem with something, then start your own business and do something. Put it on the bottom of your cup. Joy of the world, I love Jesus then. Go invest the money. Do the time. Pay the sacrifice. Put your own abilities and talents in something. And bring a light to something then. Don't wait for someone else to bring the light. Don't wait for it. And then you will have opportunities. And you will have moments where God says, Now my son and daughter, you've grabbed it. That person over there is blind. And do you remember the most compassionate prayer in the Bible? Do you know what it was? The most compassionate moment in the Bible that defined love and life and everything good about who God was was when Jesus was naked on the cross with strips of flesh dripping off of him and he looked down at people who were spitting and mocking at him and Jesus said this, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. He didn't challenge them he didn't position himself. He didn't demand rights. He proclaimed the cross and the gospel and the life and the love and the hope of saying, Come unto me and I will make you fishers of men. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. Do you want to get out of your own selfish bondage? Do you want to get out of pride and arrogance and fear and hatred? then I challenge you to position yourself. This is a beautiful text. Look at that. The cross in the background, that manger scene was a forerunner of Jesus Christ and Him going to the cross for us, for all the sins of mankind. You know, Jesus died for all of our sins. Next week, you know your sins for next week? They're all covered, Sandra. Sandra doesn't sin much, though. No. Covered my sins. Mark, God's got all your sins next week. Doug, all of your sins covered. Sarah, all of it. It's very humbling to 
know that the Jesus who knows Steve next week still loves me. I want to be a light. You say, well, what do I do now? I've got this light, the light of the world come into our hearts afresh and causing us to shine with the love and character of God. You know, when you start to shine with the love of God, your life will change. I think change is not necessarily automatic, but there is what happens is when we have a regenerate heart, our, our, our heart is retooled. We're a new person. We're not, in, we're not in old ways anymore. We're a new creature. We've got freshness. We're like Bo over there sitting there in all his fresh newness. He doesn't, he's not sitting there going, oh, my elbow really hurts this morning. You know, He's not doing that. He's got the freshness and the newness of a baby. And we, babes in Christ, grow up. And why don't we turn real quick to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. As you're, as you're turning there, turn to someone real quick and say, I need some more light. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. This is a beautiful package for us believers in how we're supposed to act and respond. For once you were full of darkness, that's all of us, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. I love that. You know in your life, in my life, you know what's going to grow that light bigger? Is as you start to adjust and attune your life to Christ, that you grow in Him and you start to say, God... What is pleasing for Steve's life right now? God, what would please you? What, would, what do you want me to do? You know, as children, we want to do things that please our parents. And, and it's not necessarily a performance thing, but it's just you want to honor your parents. You want to do what's right. You want to respond to what it is that they're doing and the sacrifices that they've made. And so as we, as walking with the Lord, we say, God, I want to determine what is right and what is wrong in my life. God, teach me that. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is a shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. You know what's amazing as far as dealing with seasonal depression? You know, we're going into the winter, which can be depressing for some people with cold and stuff. Did you notice that cold spell that came in? All of us were a little grumpy. The cold hits and we're like, wow. But you know, on a serious note, though, that Mayo Clinic actually has an, uh, a section that you're dealing with light therapy, that dealing with seasonal depression, that having light, light does some amazing things physically to your body. Light, light does some things physically to us. It, it revives us. It wakes us up. And so with us in our lives, as Christ starts to light things and he starts to expose things, we are regenerated by that. And it's a beautiful thing. A wake-up call to all believers. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Sandra, why don't you come up? Today, we do start this Advent season, and it does come fast. And I want you to think about today how your light is shining. And maybe today, 
You don't have a relationship with Christ. You might have had a religious cognizance of Him, but there really isn't that deep regeneration in your life. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? And without fear, once you know that Jesus came as the light of the world to seek and save that which was lost, and to lead the blind by places they didn't know, And today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, the light of the world that he declared himself as, if you don't know the light of the world, and you've been sitting in darkness, and you say, enough, I want Jesus Christ in my heart. The Bible says repent. Turn from that stuff. Today I challenge you that there is a light. And there is an opportunity for you. No man's guaranteed tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want that light in your heart, Jesus says, I am as close as the mention of my name. Today, if that's you, why don't you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. This next call is to the believers who maybe covered the light up. Maybe you've been confused by things. Maybe you've become blind by your own set of circumstances. And you've forgotten how powerful that light is. And that light comes from within. It doesn't come from without. It doesn't, we're not waiting for people to do this or change that. Jesus and his kingdom is set up inside of you. You won't have to go to this mountain or that place or know this person but right now, in the context of your situation, the light of the world can fill you up with the glory of God as you resubmit yourself to His plan and pattern for your life. Today, you say, you know what? Steve, I, I need to get that light right again. I want to be on fire for Jesus. Why don't you raise your hand today? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. These are those who want to burn with the fire of Jesus in their life. Why don't we pray this prayer together? Dear Jesus, I thank you for your light. I thank you for your life in me. Lord, forgive me for putting that aside. And it's power. Light that fire in me, Father. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Father, I thank you that today, right now, I am a city on a hill. I am a light to a dark world. And in the dark places I'm at, I pray you give me the right words to speak, the right things to pray. May I be filled with your love to a dark and hurting world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, I love you, love you, love you very much. This light's going to call a lot of things out in us. It really will. And just as the woman who went through the house looking for the little yeast and looking for all those things, may we allow the light to expose those little areas in our life that we've maybe compromised and given up 
whatever it is, whatever the battle, whatever the struggle is, allow God to heal that, allow God to speak to that. We don't want to provide excuses for it, why it's happening. We want to allow the light to change things in our life. If there's anything you need prayer for today or anything specifically that you just want to just pray through, we'd love to pray with you. And uh, But God bless you this Advent season. And don't forget the light of the world. we got that candles. We're going to have two next week, folks. Get ready. So, But I love you very much and uh, have an awesome, awesome week. And uh, give Christina a big hug and a pillow. So we love to see you guys this morning. Why don't I pray? Lord, I just thank you today for everything that you do in our lives. God, I thank you for Turning Point Church and the light that it is to the city. Lord, I just pray specifically over the next few weeks as we're going to be thinking about these eight families to bless them in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for specific times and places. God, as silly as this may sound sometimes, we pray for great deals, Father, as people are sacrificing their own time and money and and commitments. Lord, I just pray blessings, that we would heap blessings on these families so that they would know the love of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 God bless you real good.